Talk is made possible in part by the Red Fern Boat Company of Hancock County. Since 1982, offering maintenance, storage, and restoration for powerboats and sailboats. Also offering dockage on Mount Desert Island, redfernboat.com. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online everywhere at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. That's our friends Schooner Fair right there, piping in Boat Talk. It is time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill, 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor, and on all oceans at weru.org. I'm Alan Sprague, and that's Mike Joyce over there. We're both the rusty anchors of Boat Talk which is uh, one hour of a discussion of people contemplating things naval or anything that might be slightly wet will probably fit into this show. It is a call-in show, so I'll give you the number right off in case you have something you'd like to talk about. Our number is 1-866-625-9378. And at this point, I usually come in with some sort of a uh, nautical pun. but I'm waiting, man. Uh, nope. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, I... I, no, you're, you're not going to be spared. I'm uh, yeah, definitely oh, not going to be spared, but I'm going to defer the pun to uh, a little bit later when we're talking about our friends that come boating. I guess I can allow that, but if there wasn't to be a pun, I might feel a little anxious, you know. And we all have our little habits, and it's not to say we're superstitious, <laughs> but if we do things the same way all the time, it's more safe than not. Speaking of habits, uh, this is our 13th anniversary this month. Really? For And Boat Talk, of course, we... we um, were drafted into the boat talk world uh, years I get that ago. Pun. We, There's a pun right there. Yeah. Oh, good one. We didn't. We didn't start it originally. Um, you know, when we first started this community radio station, the people involved looked around and says, "What can we get on the radio?" And boats was an was an obvious thing. So this year, uh, yeah. Joel White, a uh, famous boat designer, and Maynard Bray, uh, editor of uh, Wooden Boat Magazine, among other claims to fame, were the original boat talk guys here. Uh, Kathy. Melio helped put that together. Paul Brayton, I'm thinking, helped put that together. And again, uh, those boys did it originally, but they weren't radio people like we are, you know. And and uh, yeah, they were normal. Yeah, they're normal people. Ra- Alan and I do other radio shows too, so we're we're kind of radio uh, files in a way. And and it uh, came and went a few times, and then they asked us to do it, and uh, we did it once, and then they asked us to do it again. Uh, and and it went so well, uh, as I remember, it was uh, the end of the summer, and they says, well, you have to keep doing this year-round. And I thought, what are you, whoa, yeah. you're nuts. <laughs> what are we going to talk about in February? What are you, nuts? And, of course, we run out of things to talk about. We've done it wrong. So yep. boat talk, good fun. It 13 is good years, fun. you're saying, don't like 13s either. I put the same shoe on all the time. i like you to start with a pun. Uh, um, you know what I'm saying? Well, I'll pay you back in a little bit. Hey. Uh, boat talk, uh, we... Uh, talk about some marine news. We hope to have a guest on the phone in a little bit this morning. A fellow named Jim Grundy. Jim is a five-time national sailing champion. He has a fleet of classic wooden boats that can't be beat, and he, among other things, sells classic boat insurance, has a little bit of a 
unusual take on that, and hopefully we'll get them on the phone a few minutes. But uh, we like to go over a few clippings from the news and talk about other things going on. We got to talk, Alan, about the, uh, and mind you, we haven't man mentioned it yet. We'll get to this later. The, we got a Boat Talk cruise coming up, but let's talk oh, about. Oh, that's right, yes. Let's, while we're, we're promoting things, Boat Talk, how about Boat Talk? The Boat radio Talk program West. West, I guess we call it. We, we're now Boat Talk East. We got contacted by some people from Port Towns in Washington, and uh, that's a boaty little place out there. Oh, it sure is. It is, and uh, they have a what is it? A low power? Is it? Yeah, I believe it's a low power station right in Port Towns in there somewhere. KXPT was it? What was the? I can tell you in a second. So I... they have on their own uh, started a, a a boat chat show, and they've uh, thought brilliantly to call it Boat Talk, and then I believe they found us by googling <laughs> Boat Talk. So uh, I don't know what we quite think of that. Uh, it'd be traditional to want them to cease and desist and find another name, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, I guess it's all community. We could we could be big, and. You know, we'd, we'd like to be big, let's put it that way. But, uh, yeah, uh, so it turns out to be something mildly different than what we do. Alan, you and I are, are boat builders. I, I deliver a lot of boats, get a lot of sea time. Um, this, uh, there's one host. I, so you, you listened to the program, didn't Yes, you? I listened to it one time, and there is one host who is a radio guy who I believe owns a boat. And then he... Uh, got a couple of other boat owners to come on the show with them. And unfortunately, I guess they don't have the capability to be a call-in show. So uh, there was no outside input, really. It was just three guys sitting around talking about their boats for three hours, or for one hour. Yeah. Uh, again, a little different than what we do. We're kind of uh, boat professionals, and, and he's a boat enthusiast. God bless him. <laughs> you yeah. know? It is, a, in case anybody would like to check it out, the uh, radio station is KPTZ, Port Port. Port Townsend, Washington. Yep, Boat Talk West, we're calling it. And, and again, we wish them all the luck in the world, and, and they asked if they could share material and guests and stuff, and who the heck knows? We hardly know what we do. <laughs> uh, it'd be hard to share it sometimes. Boat Talk, good fun. We enjoyed doing it. Uh, Mike Joyce, Alan Sprague. Last month we had on uh, Dave Gelinas. Dave is the uh, head pilot, uh, more or less, for the Penobscot Bay and River Pilot Association, the people that bring ships in and out of uh, Bucksport, Bangor, uh, uh, Searsport, and Bar Harbor, and so on. And here's a story in the news. The Portland Container Ship Service is shutting down. And this would be lack of volume and loss of private investment. The container service used to link Portland, Boston, and Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, main businesses that utilized it included the White Rock Distilleries in Lewiston, L.L. Bean, Schnitzer Steel in Auburn and a half dozen paper mills uh, use the container service. The ship is now anchored and uh, locked up in Halifax under threat from the creditors and stuff. And uh, kind of sad. Most of the stuff on the planet now uh, moves around in containers on ships anyway. And again, we uh, have a new crane down in Searsport, Dave, the pilot was telling us about last month. You can see it on the skyline coming down Route 1. And uh, that'll lift some containers, but in effect, we don't have a real container port. Halifax is a real container port, so is St. John, New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and things that don't come by ship have to come by uh, truck or rail, and ship is, you know, is more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. It is. So, um, here's a good ship. The good ship Prudence is coming home, and she is going to be sailing out of Belfast and Bangor this summer. 
She's uh, 60 odd feet long, and the cool thing about Prudence is she's very traditional looking. Uh, oh, yeah. Think of the old uh, late 1800 fairies. Yep, yep. Okay. Plum stem. Plum yep. stem, uh, all decked over, upper deck. Um, and she is steam driven. She's a steamship. And that is very unusual. The only other steamships running around are the Katahdin up on Moosehead Lake. And uh, there's another one. Uh, and Lake uh, George, Danim- New York. Yeah. I've seen that one. But they're very rare. And uh, our friend Captain John Worth will be sailing this out of Belfast and, and uh, Bangor this summer. Huh. Uh, Captain Tim Pagels out of Cherryfield, who has a lot of excursion boats, has taken Steve this on. Pagels. Steve Pagels. Yep. yep. He is a major excursion boat player on the coast down here. And this is uh, one of his new ventures. Captain John Worth, if you're listening this morning, I met your, your uh, nephew, Zach, uh, last weekend. Zach just graduated from Maine Maritime Academy and uh, graduated in the deck department. He's going to go to sea. And I asked him, I said, Zach, how'd you get, you know, down to Maine Maritime Academy? He says, well, my uncle John Worth, mm-hmm. who is Captain John Worth, has been, been, been down the academy for a long time. And, uh, again, uh, John, all, all while this fellow was growing up, Little Zach was growing up, kept telling him, you're going to go to Maine Maritime Academy. You just don't know it yet, son. <laughs> and so he did, and he's a pretty proud graduate. So uh, they just graduated. Good for those folks. Prudence, uh, look for her down in Belfast and Bangor this summer. Okay. Yeah. My turn? Go right ahead, man. Um, our friends uh, at Ocean Renewable Tidal Power uh, have just made an announcement. The people who uh, do uh, Tidal Power Energy uh, have just gotten a big grant, and they're going to be putting up uh, three big turbines in Cobbs Cook Bay, and hopefully it'll be another year and a half or so, and those will be up and running and powering 75 to 100 homes down there. So that's good news for them. If you'd like to check that site out, their website is orpc.co. And uh, we do have a phone call, so uh, let's see if we can get to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, good morning. The uh, Katahdin has uh, been changed to diesel by the paper companies. Oh, really? Really? Yep. Yep. Wow. I could see why they might want to do that. By the paper companies? Well, I don't know. You'd think that they... <laughs> the paper has, companies? Has I wonder some... who owns the vessel. Uh, the, uh, um, was it the Moosehead Museum? Hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds about right, probably. Yeah, they, they, it had been used for uh, the log hauls for a long time, but it was converted to diesel quite, quite a ways back, I think, but I don't remember when, maybe in the 40s, 30s. No kidding. That's good information. I'm just reading out of the paper here, of course. Could be disappointing. (laughs) She is still a classic vessel, and it it is a delight to see her plowing down Moosehead Lake in and out of Greenville there. Um, It's a uh, very reasonable trip. Yeah, and uh, Katahdin's a good-looking vessel, and and Moosehead is a serious, serious piece of water, too. That lake gets awful rough sometimes. And uh, as I've made a point a lot of times before, I think a lake like Moosehead's much more dangerous than the ocean because the waves don't get into a big swell they're short and chaotic very short and steep and the boat bucks and it has nowhere to go and the Katahdin is a good way to uh, cruise uh, no doubt uh, Greenville there it took one a long time ago it was it was quite nice who are we speaking to this morning it's the analog anarchist I thought <laughs> I thought so Sydney good to hear from you man thank you it, um, oh. is that uh, Costa Concordia still piled up on its side on the rocks there I believe it is. Yeah, I think they said it's going to be like a year and a half or so before with, they're going to be able to remove it. With a truck-sized rock sticking right out of the side of it? You've got to actually admire that the captain, he was trying to beach the thing, and, and you've got to admit he'd done a good job of it. 
Um, <laughs> the second time, anyway, the first time he beached it was accidental. Yeah. <laughs> and the second time, when it was going to sink, he beached it on purpose. Uh, technically speaking, he did a pretty good job. Cause well, it's, there were it, what? 13 lives lost? Or something, yeah, some number, and that's so not a good job at all. That's not a real good job. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, it's just past the 100th anniversary of, of the uh, Titanic, and uh, thinking about um, taking a floating apartment house uh, like that in in close to the rocks just for a, just for a flyby for a, for a show off. I don't know. He said they said he did it before, even closer. But maybe he neglected the tides. It sounded to me like they were probably a little casual, a little bored, perhaps. <laughs> uh, no, then that's that's not cool at all. To uh, no. <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm thinking that they've just made that run so many times that you know they start to fool around to to amuse themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we had the Penobscot Bay pilot on, mind you, they take cruise ships in and out of Bar Harbor. Tried to get him to say something about it, but he was very professional and declined to to uh, heap onto the poor captain there, who was a bad, bad captain. Uh, you know, the captain allegedly fell into a lifeboat and, uh, you know, was unable to reboard his vessel, was not the last man on the ship. But anyway, good talk to you this morning, Sydney. Okay, let me get off the phone. Talk to you later. Yep. One eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. Speaking of uh, eSport, which we just were about the uh, tide turbine, we've been regularly uh, plugging the boat school as now separated from Husson College and now is now owned by the Friends of the Boat School. A lot of people have uh, tried to make that thing work, and it does after a fashion, but almost not quite. And the Friends of the Boat School are now going to try it, and we'd like them to make it work. Yeah. So um, we recommend you get a hold of them down to Eastport. I'm searching for the uh, contact here, and I can't uh, get it out of this uh, article real quick. But anyway, um, the uh, Boat School is a good place to get a trade education and a good trade. The boats don't go out of style. And, uh, you know, it, it is a, um, it's a good little job, the uh, boat building. Alan and I uh, have... I guess, yeah. Would we be held up as examples, or what? How not to run your <laughs> Mr. Bad Example? Your career, Mr. That, Bad Example. That right? whole uh, article is in Fisherman's Voice, right? So if you can't find the information, you just pick up a copy of Fisherman's Voice, which is free and available at a lot of uh, convenience stores and newsstands around the coast. And I don't have the contact information there. I'm sorry, but as a little ad hoc, but I do have the contact information for. Windward Passage, and uh, they're in the paper yesterday. They are starting up their sailing program this summer, and they take out kids 12 to 18, and they go out on Vila, which is a big old traditional gaff-headed sloop, uh, captain by our friend uh, Captain Havila Hawkins. Yeah, he built it. He built it at boat. Uh, they take conveniences off that boat to make it harder <laughs> for give the kids something to do, you know. Yeah, that's right. And Havila is a classic, so, uh, and so is the boat. And uh, weekly trips start in uh, the middle of June and go to the middle of August, more or less. Windward Passage is affiliated with Sail Maine. And for more information, you can do windwardpassage.org or uh, give them a call at 326-0606. We have a link to Windward Passage on the Boat Talk website also. Yep, and that's our friend Pam Scott down in Castine. And again, Captain Havla Hawkins on old Vila there. We don't want any conveniences on this boat. We want the kids to have something to do. Love that yeah. philosophy. Isn't that great? So anyway, uh, we also were talking in the past about our good friend, uh, boat building friend, Jeff Gold. 
And you brought in a, a picture with Jeff's work on it today, and, and Jeff is all over the new issue of Wooden Boat Magazine. He's working down the Mystic Seaport, refurbishing the Charles W. Morgan whale ship. And I started looking in the pictures to see if I could spot him. Well, you don't have to look for him. He's in all the captions, too, and wrestling big pieces of wood. So Yeah, he just sent today a, a picture that I'm going to try to put on the, the uh, Boat Talk website when I get home of them bending in a, a one plank on the, I guess it's the starboard side of Morgan, but they're using plank jacks, which I personally have never seen or had to use a plank jack, but there are several plank jacks and uh, what do they call them, ring clamps or some other pretty much uh, specialized uh, tools to wrestle in this one plank that he says weighs 400 pounds, just one plank. And it's uh, thick would be an understatement. Yeah. And again, uh, it's hard to wrestle in a one-inch thick plank, and, and it calls for all kinds of mechanical advantages and devices. And think about, again, uh, steaming that 400-pound plank that's, what, four or five uh, uh, inches thick anyway and wrestling that into shape. And that's not the kind of boat builders we are. But <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, thank God. Yeah. Fascinating, too. I've got a picture of an old uh, bath-built square rigger, an old bark on, on the wall of my uh, house, you know, and I look at the rigging of it. And I go, how does that work? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Never sailed a square rigger, you know. Uh, I'd like to. I've certainly read a lot about them and stuff. I got an idea, but I look at the lines. I go, I wonder where that one goes. Yeah, What's right, that? right. I, I think it'd be pull- okay straight down wind, yeah. but after that, it'd be pretty tricky. Yeah, and we know what we know, and uh, you know, uh, you guys know the rest. That's what community is all about. And boat talk. We have a very intelligent audience, and it, it uh, somehow, like I say, is uh, good fun to do. So, so anyway, hopefully we'll get Jim Grundy on the phone in a couple minutes here. He is uh, on the road today uh, towing a classic boat mm-hmm. back home. And, uh, again, uh, we hope to talk to him in a minute. one 625 9378 While we're still talking about Jeff Gold, though, in this last email he sent the, the picture, he also very graciously uh, offered that anybody who goes down to the Mystic Seaport Museum to uh, look at the Morgan, if all they do is ask for Jeff Gold and say the secret password. I'm from Maine. Boat talk. Boat talk. You yeah. get the Jeff will give you a personalized tour of the what's going on with the Morgan. You won't get the ten cent tour, you'll get the the quarter, the half bit tour. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh while we're waiting to get um, uh Jim Grundy on the phone, we we should really plug our own boat talk cruise, which is a fundraiser for this air radio station. Yes, June 23rd, I believe it is. It's a Saturday. The last Saturday in June. Yep. Yeah. Well, no, it's actually... 26th, wasn't it, Alan? Uh, oh, boy, I don't have... We a don't have a calendar, calendar in front of us, of course, yes. It's, uh, the last Saturday in June. No, it's not the last Saturday. It's not. last Saturday is the 4th of July weekend, and they're booked for that. So it's a Saturday before the last Saturday this, this month. Yeah. To the 23rd, because I believe the 30th is the last Saturday. So that pretty sure it's the 23rd. Uh Two-and-a-half-hour cruise out of Northeast Harbor, but we'll get some more details on that in a little bit. We have a phone call. We don't want to keep them waiting. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Captain Yo. Good morning. I'm looking forward to the Boat Talk cruise. Oh, good. You going to bring a musical instrument again? I'll, this? I'll bring something to play. Don't you worry. Good. I thought if I could uh, make uh, take this opportunity to make an announcement to uh, plug. Andy McGee is at Redfern Boats in Tremont. And I'm getting ready to launch her this year. Any young or young at heart boat nuts who want to learn about wooden boats and 
help work on a traditional schooner are invited to come round to West Tremont to lend a hand getting the old girl into seaworthy shape. I don't know if the Boat Talk site has a link to me, but Annie McGee may be found on my website, www.flamingfish.net. As you know, Captain Yo, I've always uh, tremendously admired Annie McGee. She is, uh, what, 36 foot? Well, it all depends who I'm talking to. If I'm hiring dockage, I give water line length. If I'm <laughs> there you to go, but customers, I give idea. them overall length. But, but much more important, and, and the uh, by 36 foot, I mean she's not overly large, but it's a pinked schooner. She's a pinky schooner. Yeah. I have billed her as the smallest schooner in the main Windjammer fleet, but I guess uh, I'm not really part of the main Windjammer fleet anymore, but she still is one of the smallest schooners on the coast of Maine. Salty as all get out. That's my feeling anyway. In my opinion, she's an extraordinarily salty little vessel. Um, and I'm glad to hear she's been out of the water for a couple of years. Glad to hear she's going back in now. I've got a joke that I, I uh, use on people that come around when we're working on the boat, which is uh, here's a piece of sandpaper. Um, I'll show you what to do, and you can pay me a dollar an hour until you get good at it, and then maybe I'll pay you a dollar an hour, you know. <laughs> but you're looking Sawyer. for the same kind of gig there, aren't you, yo? Well, the boat builder's trade isn't so demanding. What's not hard work is mostly just sanding. Yep, there's a lot of uh, labor that, again, can be performed by willing hands. That's and, right. Uh, I guess the idea is not the glory of uh, working on the boat so much as the glory of having worked on the boat, get to sail the boat. That's right. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for putting on this show, and thanks to everybody for supporting Community well, Radio. Yo, I got a couple of quick questions for you before we go. I'm away. here. Um, have, I've seen seen your boat out of the water, and it seems to me that it's uh, not a whole lot of ballast to it, actually. Well, um, she's filled with cast iron from the top of the keel all the way to the bottom of the cabin. Uh, okay, there it is. And uh, those, it's an interesting story about those cast iron pigs. Henry Kingsbury worked at uh, Bath Ironworks in the 50s when he was building Annie McGee, and every day when he came home, He'd grab a chunk of cast iron and put it in his lunch pail and bring it back to the work site there. <laughs> One part at a time. One piece at a time. And blocks and cleats and wire and whatnot, purloined from various cost plus programs over there. Okay. But yeah, she is a wonderful vessel, and uh, she really does deserve to be put back in tip-top shape and be put back in the water. So here, Thanks again, guys. Oh, oh here's, your, my, here's my second question oh. quickly. <laughs> okay. um, I'm sure, being a schooner, you have dead eyes, but what's the story with the, with the eyes on the bow? The real eyes, I'll call them. Okay, well, that is called the oculus decoration. It's not as common on European vessels, but you will not see a Middle Eastern or an Eastern vessel that does not have an oculus decoration. It's considered a, a good luck totem, and the Lascar sailor says, suppose no eye. No can see. <laughs> and those eyes have kept me off the bricks on a number of very close calls, so I make sure, sure that they are well-painted every year. Oh, good. They're kind of far eyes in a way, aren't they? The other great thing about the eyes is you can tell from all the way across the harbor how she's riding. It's sort of like a big plimsoll mark, you might say. So I can tell if she needs pumping, if she's diving too deep, just by watching where the eyes are in relation to the waterline. Huh. Very good, yo. Thanks again, guys. Good talking to you. 
Captain Yo from West Tremont. Again, Annie McGee is a pink schooner. At, at, uh, the pink thing is they bring the uh, deck planks uh, uh, back, and instead of ending in the transom of the boat, they come and squeeze together like a clothespin, kind of behind. Kind of out in the air. Yeah, the, the yeah. tallest of the uh, planks on, on the edge of the deck there, edge of the hull, and it's a... Uh, Kind of colonial rig. A schooner, of course, is a two-masted sailboat with the shorter mast in front of the longer mast. If the uh, shorter mast was behind, it would be all kinds of different things, catches or uh, yawls, or, but a, a schooner, again, as uh, we like to define our terms every once in a while here on Boat Talk. Okay. So. Well, well, I think we're going to get around to Jim Grundy next, but while we're calling up Jim, I'm going to tell you about what's going on with Come Boating at the end of the month. Yep. Our friends down at Come Boating. Um, they're going to be having a, uh, well, their annual launch day activities on Saturday, May 26th from 9 till 2. And as part of that, they're going to be having a, what they call, all things nautical yard sale, where they'll have uh, selling a- any kind of donation that has anything to do with, with boats or water. They're going to be selling all sorts of things. And uh, if you'd like to donate, here's the number to give them a call, 338 338- one two two five, three three eight one two two five for donating anything to come boating and they're all things nautical yard sale. So I got thinking about just what you could donate, and one of the things I thought of uh, pun time, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it was good. Gonna, we can, we, be, we can be finally be safe now. If we if somebody gave them a marine toilet, then they could say they have a head sail. Head sole, good one. Yeah, but then I put together what I'm going to call a whole body of marine items, starting with the head sail, of course, but the head sail will have dead eyes and cheek blocks sitting upon a gooseneck, which is over a number of sister ribs held up by Lego muttons with old knees and on a club foot to make a great booty. It's a wonderful world, the boat world. We got uh, you left breast hooks out. For oh yeah, one, for I, I thought thing. about that. But Buttocks I was lines, to be you know. Uh, <laughs> we got all kinds of cool terms in the boat world. As uh, the cut of your jib, matey. So uh, we are doing boat talk this morning. We do it the second Tuesday every month, and uh, it is the community radio WERU. We're in Down East Maine, and the boat thing uh, kind of happened up organically, and then we hear that this is our 13th anniversary of Alan and I. Uh, hosting the program in, in this incarnation of Boat Talk. And hopefully we have Jim Grundy on the phone this morning. Are you there, Jim? Good morning. Good morning. Hi, guys. How are you? Good morning, Jim. Jim, where do we find you this morning on the Great American Road? Well, we're in Fayetteville, North Carolina, towing a boat back from Florida. What do we got behind you? A racing Meltzer's 32. Ah, go fast sailboat. That's for sure. Yep. Now, uh, James Grundy, you're a, uh, uh, let's start at the beginning. We'll ask you the classic boat talk question. What happened to you as a young child messed you up so bad about boats? <laughs> you know, I've been a sailor for 50 years. Our first family boat was the 1927 Alton Yaw. Uh, my dad and I pretty much rebuilt, or he rebuilt while I helped the screwdrivers for him. And those were good times, weren't they? They sure are. There's nothing like the smell of an old wooden boat, is there? Do you have a boy, Jim? I do. I have two sons. In fact, I'm driving up the highway with one of them right now, and they're both part of my racing team. Nice. You could have a daughter, too, now. Let's not be sexist. Nice. That's nice the way things go down through the generations there. 
So you grew up around the boats, and again, kind of a happy place. Um, I, I was thinking, uh, you know, in terms of this question here, we got um, you got two things. You got the boats that you can enjoy, but there's also the water as well. Well, isn't that the truth? That, uh, as we always read and say, there's nothing more fun than just messing around with boats. But it's also, as I say, I uh, was talking with a kid who graduated from the local Maritime Academy the other day, asking him his uh, feelings on the ocean. And my feelings are that it's church. I call it church. And again, <laughs> uh, you know, a, uh, uh, it's so much uh, more that there's a spiritual dimension to it, and I guess I'm asking you, you feel like well, that too? I, I couldn't feel that way anymore. I mean, we do a lot of inshore sailboat racing on small boats, but there's nothing I enjoy more than a few days offshore in a sailboat to clear your mind and, and make you realize what uh, life's all about. Isn't that true? You uh, are towing a racing sailboat behind you with your boy, a part of your racing team. You're a five-time national sailing champion. What's that mean exactly? Well, it means in 50 years we got lucky five times. <laughs> what kind uh, of boats? I, well, I started out racing with my dad on bigger boats, and then when I got to be a late teenager, I started racing one design, various classes, mostly in thistles and lightnings, and we were very successful in them. And then when J-Boats came along, we first had a J-24, and then we had a J-27. And with the J-27, we had tremendous success and dominated that class for three years. So we got three titles there and a couple in pistols, and then we went on to take big boats. In fact, we raced down your way last year in the uh, Marblehead to Halifax race in our big boat, which was just a Wonderful big modern carbon fiber racing boat. We broke the course record out to Halifax in about four hours last year. I I am currently working on on uh, a boat that won four categories of that race last year, Jim. Uh, New York Thirty Two right? called, called Falcon. Uh, I know the boat. All related. All related. So anyway, you uh, have a long history as a racer. We. Might not get so much into that. I am part of the uh, opinion that racing can ruin a good sail some days, like uh, golf and a, and a decent walk, you know. Um, I like to uh, be racing people when I'm passing them, but otherwise, you know, just kind of go about our business. But let's get to the part. You you um, have a few classic, you, you own a few boats. How many boats do you own, Jim, more or less? Uh, probably more than I'm willing to admit. There's nothing <laughs> crazy about it. That is you know, a, a kind of a hard question to ask somebody like you, I would think, kind of like asking a woman her age. But, yeah, how many boats you own, more or less? Well, you know, when I first I just had the little racing boats, and then I inherited one of my dad's offshore boats that we're actually racing the Bermuda this year. And then after many years of hard work, I had gotten out of sailing for a few years and focused on business, and I got back into it with a wonderful uh, Air shop catch, mail Francis air shop catch that we've spent tens of thousands of miles cruising up and down the coast on several years down in the Caribbean and, and uh, every summer up to uh, Maine usually. So we have a good cruising number of miles under us as well. And then, of course, there's always racing boats. And for some crazy reason, I got a call about seven or eight years ago from a good friend of mine who said, 
Jim, I bought a boat for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good friend. <laughs> so that was my first uh, delving into a uh, classic runabout. And that turned out to be a pretty special boat. It's an Italian Riva called a Super Aquarama. And the history of the boat is quite sensational in that it was first built for Bridget Bardot. Huh. And it came to me with oh, only 40 hours on the engine, uh, piano-grade varnish that was still the original varnish for Italy. The boat is basically lived in a warehouse almost its entire life. Is it all mahogany? It's all mahogany, and it, it made me a classic runabout. Not, so we started collecting them. You told me a story uh, when we chatted last night about a uh, older classic runabout with a right airplane en- engine in it that come out of a museum and and uh, didn't didn't uh, swim so well. That's a pretty special boat. The name of the boat is Horace, and it's named after its owner and builder, designed by George Crouch, and it was designed for the Gold Cup races in 1926. 40 feet long, it's only got about seven and a half feet of beam, and it's powered with a uh, Wright Typhoon engine built by Wright Aeronautics, or the Wright brothers. Hmm. Really a sensational big 12-cylinder, 1,100-cubic inch engine. Loud. 12-cylinder. Loud and plenty of exhaust and... 150 horsepower and capable of 90 miles an hour. In Whoa. Is it is it a straight 12? It's a V12. V12, yeah. V12, all women and blocks. I guess you can imagine this. The engine has 60 spark plugs in it. It has six zero. Five. Six zero spark plugs. Five plugs per cylinder? Wow. Well, the reason it has five plugs per cylinder is because it's aircraft, everything is dual. And it has dual magnetos on both sides. Mm -hmm. But to start it, because the bore and stroke is so big and long, the magnetos won't fire at the low rev to get it to turn over. So it has a distributor with its own 12 plugs for starting. And then when the engine gets running at about 500 RPM, you switch it over to the magnetos. And when you really want to go fast, you fire up both magnetos to two sparks per cylinder on both sides of the cylinder head. Wow. The uh, engine on that boat's uh, enough uh, to make it a classic, but didn't you have a little trouble with the old wooden hull as well? We sure did. When we first bought the boat, I heard about it. I got all excited about it. The boat was in Texas, and I was in Pennsylvania. So we... Uh, we called around and got somebody to take a look at it. Look at it. It's got a perfect bill of health. So we had it shipped home, and we got it home, and we had to rewire it. That was the first thing we discovered, that the old braided wiring had all been torn out of it because it appeared to be a fire hazard. So we spent a month or so rewiring it, got it all ready to go, and got ready for our first beautiful day's run. Picked it up with the travel lift, dropped it in the water, and it sank in the sling. It turned out that the garbage on the port side was completely rotted away. All the fastenings fell out. The boat was just taken on water. But it wasn't visible because it had all been freshly painted over. And the boat had been surveyed and had passed, and nobody had kind of called that out, and off you go. 
Jim, hopefully you've got a good checkbook and a good sense of humor. <laughs> and a very good friend. Yeah. <laughs> a very good friend. So it all worked out fine. Now, interestingly enough, we're talking about how, uh, you know, that boat was surveyed, and obviously the surveyor did not completely appreciate the condition of that boat uh, until the water made it obvious. But uh, one of the ways you afford your boat habit, Jim, is you own a, an insurance company, Grundy Insurance. And uh, among other things, you, you um, insure Classic and other boats. But you have a kind of unique policy that, I, and again, I just run to follow this just the other day about uh, uh, having, having boats that need to be insured surveyed. Can you speak about that? I will, but let me tell you our history a little bit. Grundy uh, Insurance is fairly well known at that. Well, I should say very well known. We're the first company that ever wrote specialized policies for antique and plastic cars. And we've been doing that for 60 years. And the, you know, the benefits of that policy and our expertise are, first of all, it's an agreed value policy because we understand these are appreciating assets and we cover them for their value. Second of all, and most importantly to most consumers, we have very, very low rates. In fact, uh, our boat rates are half for limited use and, and uh, short-range navigation than uh, standard yacht, yacht underwriters would charge. But the most important thing that we offer is an understanding between us and the boat owner, because having collected a lot of these boats and understanding what it takes to really get into them and know what's going on, and knowing that there's so many guys just like us, we determined that we could eliminate the need for the standard marine survey every time somebody wants to buy and insure a boat. So we will, as an alternative to that, uh, accept the narrative from the owner, just telling us about his boat, what he's done to restore it, how he maintains it. And that has been a tremendously successful alternative. Not that we ever want to uh, say anything bad about marine surveyors. They're a wonderful industry and a wonderful trade. But in wooden boats, it's kind of a dying art. But what we've discovered with a good search, a good narrative from an owner who's done his own restoration that we can read between the lines about what he's saying and understand his boat better than a survey does because the narrative covers a span of time, whereas a survey is just an instant in time. A narrative will tell you about the restoration and the ongoing maintenance and the care and it'll give us an insight into the owner's knowledge and ability to express himself. In other words, he knows that peacock is in a faucet, things like that. And it's been really a, really a great alternative, both for us in insuring those very successfully, and for owners who can simply let us an explanation rather than having to go through the cost of uh, getting their boat hauled and so on and so forth. Kind of interesting. We have uh, one... Uh, little idea on boat talk we like to flog quite a bit that you need to learn from the mistakes of others because you haven't got time to make all those mistakes yourself and you haven't got enough lives either but I guess in insurance that's a classic case where all you deal with is is uh, when you're when you're uh, paying out anyway you deal with with other people's mistakes and you have to pay for them don't you what well, 
know, we had one bad experience with one bad survey, and that's not necessarily the state of the industry. But we feel strongly enough about it that uh, my company is uh, uh, trying to sponsor a, a uh, an educational course in traditional marine surveying, the, the hammer and ball way, as opposed to today most most homes are fiberglass. A whole lot of surveyor skills have, have gone away, but on the other hand, the interest in collecting and sailing a plastic boat seems to be proliferating right now, which is wonderful. A whole lot of great old boats are being saved. Pretty cool. We're talking to Jim Grundy this morning. He's on the road in uh, uh, South Carolina, I'm guessing. <laughs> North Carolina, one of them Carolinas, towing a boat, a uh, racing sailboat up the uh, road. He's a uh, national sailing champion. He's got a fleet of classic wooden boats and, uh, among other things, owns an insurance company. And we're talking about surveying. I just uh, surveyed a boat for a fellow who uh, has just decided in, in uh, his retirement age that he'd just like to have a sailboat. So we figured out that uh, we'd want to buy this thing, but then had to have another real surveyor. I'm not accredited. Uh, Survey the thing for the insurance company that cost him another pretty much six hundred bucks. You know, in a case like that, where an expert like you looked at the boat and were able to write up the condition report on that boat, we would accept that. Yeah, and we did not differ the uh, other surveyor and I, except for he did not call out the two worst things that I found. He didn't mention it all, and he made extensive inventories, which is what you need on an insurance survey. Your inventory and uh, the gear that you're insuring. And I guess you're insuring two things. You're insuring the boat itself, its uh, gear, its physical condition, but you're also insuring uh, human error. You know, it's a, it's a nexus of the two, isn't it? Well, you're insuring the hull, certainly, and its equipment, and you're trying to uh, understand that the boat is seaworthy for its intended use. And that's one portion of the survey. That's I would another think... Big well, you know, another big portion of the survey, of course, is valuation, which uh, which is important. Given boats are sold at, at uh, a spectrum of price ranges today, based on their condition and so forth. But the third and most important thing you're insuring is the guy on the wheel or the tiller, because he's the uh, captain that's ultimately going to make the right decisions. And not only yeah. Jim, it's um, uh, going to sea is never going to be idiot-proof, but it's become much more idiot-resistant with all the machines we have nowadays, particularly chart plotters. Is, uh, you know, cases of uh, insurance idiocy going down with, with our modern conveniences? You know, when we were kids, I was, I was sailing boats before the fiberglass, first fiberglass boat was sailing. And I raced to Bermuda the first time before there was GPS, before there was even Loran. I remember racing to Bermuda and, uh, you know, my dad using a sextant every time the sun came out or getting the noon sunlight and sitting there in the middle of the night with a watch of the stars. That's the way we found our way there. It's certainly, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to know where you are as long as your batteries are up and your GPS keeps running. 
Yep, we've uh, we deliver boats, and we've uh, actually last year we got in the uh, situation we had no engine, no battery, no instruments, and nobody made a mark on a chart for years, <laughs> you know. But for, fortunately, we could uh, see Monhegan Island, and and nowadays there's uh, three windmills on Vinyl Haven, and at night they each have a blinking red light on them, and you can see those things from everywhere. You always know which way to Vinyl Haven uh, when you're in the Gulf of Maine nowadays. So anyway, navigation. Yeah. Jim Grundy, we've enjoyed speaking with you this morning. I have one quick question for Jim. I'd like to go back to, um, Jim, this is Alan. When you were talking about the boat that was uh, had the wiring removed by the museum because they thought it was unsafe, uh, did they completely remove all the wirings, or did they leave you a little snipped end so you had at least some clues how to reinvent the yeah. wiring? When we got that boat off, there wasn't a wire in it. Wow. So you had to reinvent the whole electrical system. Well, you know, we restored antique cars. As I said, we start, my family's history is more involved in antique cars than it is boats. I've sort of taken the boat crusade along on my own. But once you've restored antique cars and you understand how these things are done and you have access to the reproduced equipment, rated wiring, it's all pretty straightforward, isn't it, if you have the mechanical skills. So we have... Uh, we rewired that boat from scratch, and uh, today it's running and every gauge is on target, so we must have done something right. Nice. Jim, you must, uh, do you have a favorite boatyard that you keep solvent, or do you have uh, uh, people that work for you that maintain this fleet? How do you manage that? Well, I do have a favorite boatyard that my best friend owns it. That's handy. And we, actually, we actually took a big boatyard shed, and we restored the building and put new lighting and ceilings and walls and new slab and heat in it. Uh, uh, so we've got a dedicated building just for uh, storing and caring for our folks. We're pretty lucky guys. I couldn't do it without the, uh, Captain Charlie Smith, who owns the yacht maintenance company down in the Chesapeake Bay, which is where we keep our boats. Nice. I'm, I'm uh, hoping people got that. We got people, uh, I believe, building shelves in the basement at the present time, and they're pounding the floor right under our feet, and we're stomping back, but it doesn't make any difference. So, <laughs> Jim, I'm thinking, uh, again, we enjoyed speaking with you this morning. We're going to let you go and, uh, you know, uh, travel safe and, and uh, have a good time uh, on the water this, this summer. Okay. Jim, it's uh, Jim Gr uh, J Grundy Insurance is your, your website. Is that correct? Uh, yes, Grundy.com. Grundy.com. Very good. Thank you, Jim. We are doing Boat Talk this morning. Mike Joyce, Alan Sprague, Amy Brown is engineering in the wheelhouse there. And uh, just had a chat with Jim Grundy, who uh, one of his people reached out to us, found us on the web. And, and uh, you know, you never know how you find people around Boat Talk. That's the... That's part of the fun of it, you know, and, and uh, because we're all into boats, we can all talk about just about anything. <laughs> so let's talk about the boat talk cruise. Yep, good idea. Sea Princess out of Northeast Harbor. Classic, classic. Uh, covered about over. Nice wooden boats. Yeah, it's a, kind of a stretched uh, lobster uh, boat kind of hull, and it's uh, uh, decked over, covered over with a uh, awning. And. Um, it also has uh, side curtains. You know, it's not like you're inside the boat. You're uh, inside and outside at the same time. Big engine box on that thing. And we fill that with a, uh, what do you call that? A uh, Mike's quiche. 
Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, we might have to get a new trick, but uh, 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 potluck. We have a pot. The, it's a potluck BYOB cruise. Yes, and uh, we filled the engine cover with a lot of good food. Yeah. The boat is very smooth. Nobody's ever had any kind of issues there, if you know what I'm uh, trying not to refer directly to. Yeah. And um, we take a three-hour cruise. We go up some Sound. Sometimes we go over and wave at Martha Stewart over to Seal Harbor. Um, you know, we run around uh, the great harbor of Mount Desert there in the southern end of Mount Desert. And uh, that will be from 6 to 9 on a Saturday night. Uh, we're thinking June 23rd, the uh, next to last Saturday in June. And it is a very modest uh, donation that supports this radio station. Nobody's ever had a bad time. Nope, nope. And uh, we should also mention, too, that we do put out a tip jar because the, the Sea Princess is donated by our friends at Bar Harbor Cruises. So we do put out a tip jar to at least help them cover the, uh, the costs of uh, fuel. Captain Andy had been awful nice about it, and we do uh, chip in try to pay expenses there. They've been so nice about it, we started doing this thing uh, in the, in the uh, fall, wasn't it? And they asked us uh, the other fall, they said, why don't you do this in the spring, too? And we looked at them like, you want to lend us your boat more? Okay, yeah. thank you. And again, we have a pretty good time doing it. It's a uh, uh, generally sells out, and uh, it's the whole thing about the Merry Pranksters. Remember the pr Merry Pranksters? Are you on the bus? Are you cool enough to be on the bus? So cool. <laughs> so uh, are you on the boat? Uh, will be the question, the Boat Talk Cruise. And get a hold of Chris here at the office. 469-6600 would be the telephone number. Yeah. And you know what I'd like to do this, this year, if, if the uh, conditions are right, is rather than um, do our usual tootle out towards Seal Harbor, go maybe out towards the Cranberries and take a look at uh, Mount Desert Island from a, a few steps back, as it were. It is one of my favorite places to sail home to. Mind you, you don't get a lot of places to choose to sail home to. Home <laughs> is home. But um, I love sailing up to Mount Desert from offshore. It is a sight, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a good landmark. And, and again, it's uh, awful pretty. That's probably why they put that national park there. Yeah. And we all have good friends that have a wonderful tour boat, again, the Sea Princess, um, out of Northeast Harbor. Yeah. Uh, children under 12 ride free. Oh, we encourage them to drive the boat. Yes, yep, we have actually. Yeah, in the past had some some good uh, young captains to just turn around when they're all done with their t turn steering, just walking back, all grinning ear to ear, back to mom and dad. My mom, I drove the boat. Yep, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a pretty pretty good time. So we highly recommend the boat talk cruise. We are oh, we've got about uh, barely uh, what about six or eight minutes left in boat talk this morning. We still have a phone number here. Yep, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. We were hoping for Captain Giffy Fole this morning. Speaking of surveyors, he is a uh, permanent guest host of uh, Boat Talk when he's available here. Giffy's in his what mid eighties now. Mid, yeah, probably the most experienced, certain certainly wooden boat surveyor uh, on the planet. Old, old Ironsides. Jacques he's Cous a national treasure. Jacques Cousteau, among other things, and. Uh, Giffy is, like everybody else right now, trying to get his boat ready for the water and needed to paint today. And it's going to start to rain for the rest of the week, and you don't want to paint, uh, probably if it's raining. You wouldn't want the hull. The hull's, think of it like a window. It's, uh, it will, the surface will condense water and, and the different temperatures we have this season. So on a rainy day, that hull might actually be physically damp, whether you can uh, wipe it off on your hand or not. 
and certain varnishes will blush, for instance, and certain paints will, that boat paint's awful expensive. You want to yeah. make sure you put it on on the right day. So you a day where it started dry and finished with rain might be all right, but if it had started rainy, that, again, uh, Giffy's off painting. We hope to have him back uh, for the June edition. Yep, I hope so, too, unless he's off cruising. He's quite fierce to get that boat in the water. Well, uh, man knows where his happy place is, and, and uh, again, uh, Giffy's a classic, and, and uh, you know, at his age, uh, he deserves all the boat time he can get, just uh, tooling around instead of taking care of everybody else, which yep. has been his career. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> no phone calls. I think we've gone through our entire list. Oh, I, I know one thing that... Um, came up last month, and we didn't have time to talk about it, was that there's been a new uh, quota set for the cod fisheries, and I noticed that the uh, uh, fisheries service uh, newsletter that was sent to Boat Talk, uh, they mentioned that in the second paragraph, I, I'm gonna, I don't have it in front of me, so I might misquote it, but they, they said that next year they're going to try to make the uh, uh, quota sustainable. Some people think that the, uh, well, the scientists believe that the cod stock in the Gulf of Maine is absolutely crashing, and they want to cut back on the fishermen catching it, which will cut back on fishermen. Yeah. Fishermen don't wait around. But interestingly enough, a species has just been targeted for increased um, uh, quotas in the Gulf of Maine, and that would be dogfish, oh, sand right. sharks. Yep. Okay? Nature abhors a vacuum. If you take uh, one critter out of the ecosystem, another critter will want to uh, try to take over that niche. And the dogfish have really come on in the Gulf of Maine, and a lot of people think they eat all good things that uh, should otherwise grow up and be on our plates. Right. Dogfish end up as fish and chips overseas, uh -huh. is what I what I understand. Well, phone rang. Yes, we do have one last-minute phone call. Let's get to that. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. This is Tim Owen, Brooklyn. Hey, Tim I, I just, it seemed like that I got sucked into the vacuum because people who had really had something to say weren't saying it. Uh, I was out tapping the rivets into the pencils on a, on a boat I'm working on. Last time we talked to you, you were building a shellback dinghy on no, a cat, cat's paw. Cats, well, yes. Good one. Uh, we find anybody to buy that yet? Not yet. I've got it out. It's right on Hale Hill Road, right on the bottom. Uh-huh. Like that's what I'm working on the rudder for now. It's, it's uh, came out pretty nice, and uh, I'm waiting for the money to come back up up north from down south for the season. Just helped a fellow uh, buy a dinghy the other day. We uh, looked around at a bunch of different options, and it's a complicated thing buying a dinghy. The cat's paw is a it's a Joel White design, correct? Yeah. Yeah, nice little boat. Yeah, it's a uh, twelve twelve foot uh, eight and five eight. Pretty boat. I'm, I've got two now. One's a, I built just for rowing, and the other one for sailing. How fancy do you make them, Tim? Well, the first one I made, the, the sailing one's kind of fancy. It's got some bright one. The rowing one I'm keeping real basic, just all paint. And I, I didn't, it's, the timing and everything is I want to get it done. And like you're talking about the weather, I'm, I'm sanding one day and then throwing a tarp on. I can only put one in the shop, so. I used to take care of a lap straight dinghy that was, uh, uh, everything was varnished, and people wearing uh, certain pants were prohibited from sitting in the dinghy because, <laughs> yeah. you know, their pockets might scratch the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And you could make things too fancy, I guess, would be the point I was getting at there. Yeah, I did a, an Arctic turn with a, and it was a P-like quarter-inch 
and it was just so gorgeous that I decided I did the interior of it bright. It's it's like a cherry colored mahogany. It's really pretty, and it's held up pretty well. But it's it's a trailer boat, and the owners just they keep it in the garage all the time. So it's hard not to want to make things fancy, isn't it? When, yeah. And somewhat on on uh, some we call them the money pieces, you know, the yeah. bright bright shiny pieces of yeah, teak. Yeah, it's, it's about ready for for refinishing too. I should I should uh, I should elbow them. And <laughs> might drum up some work but it, yeah, it's a lot of work to maintain that another thing i i've noticed was that it's it's nice to have that that sand in the paint on the interior of a small boat because the the varnished one especially when it was new was was held to stand up or move around yeah and, you, you put your foot or try and get 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 a, a yeah. well tim we're afraid we're up at the uh, end of the hour good talking to you though that's it for Boat Talk. Boat Talk every uh, second Tuesday of the month. And, uh, again, good fun. Stay tuned. Uh, Karen Doherty is in the studio there getting ready to do On the Wing. Welcome back.